The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. You drink your water and I'll eat my chicken finger. Oh, you got delivery of your chicken fingers. Yeah, yeah, I do. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that chicken fingers fit into any of these diets, I'm afraid to say. I'm not going to stop eating them. I know that. (laughs) Yep. No. Broadcasting from her closet high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Philipson. Headline-inducing, out-of-a-book type diets are really attractive because they tell you what to eat, what not to eat, with a big promise of helping you feel better, look better, end your pain, maybe help you lose weight, dodge the disease bullet, and live a long and healthy life. The list of the top 10 diets can change from year to year, and with new ones hitting the media headlines, depending on usually which celeb has followed it with the life-changing results that you think, oh, I gotta do it. Just pulls you right in, and you think, oh, if they can do it, so can I. I think that's the like monkey see, monkey do mentality that we have. But what you don't know from the headline or even just the book, is what's the why? Why did they decide to go and do this? Why does anybody decide to go and do this? How is it that they felt as they began? Who monitored them? With all the diets that are out there, is there one that could actually help you with an ongoing issue? Could there be food groups that cause constant belly pain, the daily headaches, put you at risk for diabetes, progress your autoimmune disease, or even MS faster than you want it to, or contribute to your ever-increasing blood pressure or your cholesterol? You've heard me say so many times how important antioxidants are in your diet, but if you're just kind of like winging it, thinking, yeah, I'll do a pepper every now and then, or sure, I'll try out a sweet potato, without following more of a specific structure with some accountability and some regularity to it, are you giving it enough of a go and enough of a chance to actually know that it works or it doesn't? I've worked with clients one-on-one for over 20 years and I've seen such fascinating results, but also heard the stories of these clients who have gone and tried some book from a diet type of thing put themselves through this incredible amount of pain and deprivation to start with. And where did they get to in the end? Oh, honestly, it some have been absolute successes and some of them have just been met with complete disaster. So how do you decide what to put your attention to and actually try with some gusto? I believe that it all has to start with what's in it for me. So I got this email from Stephen, who's purchased a few supplements. He lives in the area, so he, he, he replies to my emails every now and then. He's got an oil pulling story for us. Oh, no. The, the pulling from last the last episode. The, the, <laughs> That's right. The mouth episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the mouth episode and, and you, Chris, were like, 
no, not not even not even entertaining that one, which I totally appreciate because it's just a weird one. Okay, so I have to tell you my oil pulling story. So I listened to your podcast and read a few articles on it recently. So I decided to give it a shot: a teaspoon of coconut oil and two drops of peppermint peppermint oil. I hit <laughs> I hit the nineteenth minute. <laughs> Because no, because because you said twenty minutes, right? You you said to do it for twenty minutes. Swish swish swish, twenty minutes. <laughs> and and I had an itch on my nose and had to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, of course. At this time, I wasn't near a sink or garbage, so I ran to the kitchen garbage. Well, I didn't quite get there in time, and I sneezed and sprayed oil from my mouth all over the kitchen counter. <laughs> can you can you imagine the cleanup job that was required? <laughs> I'm not thinking about the cleanup job. I'm picturing him sneezing. That's what I'm and oil yeah. and the coconut oil just flying like those. Are, it's kind of it's going to be everywhere forever. It's going to be one of those things. <laughs> can you see? Yeah, can you imagine the cleanup job required? Laugh out loud. I'll never forget my first uh, oil pulling experience. Need, needless to say, I like it and will be better prepared next time. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't prepare for a, a sneeze. You can't. I got in an accident for sneezing once yeah because you it's not like uh, fender, f- fender bender and the, and i remember going to report it and I, and the police and said well what exactly happened i said well i was accelerating up a hill sneezed and didn't see that the guy in front of me stopped so you know you plowed said, into him oh, and he and he and he said um and it was more because i was accelerating at the time right, right. if i had just been moving along or whatever i would it would have been okay but you know, he had moved. I was moving on. We were up a hill. I had to put my foot down a little bit more. <laughs> and he said, well, didn't you see it? And I said, have you ever sneezed and kept your eyes open? I don't think and it's he, possible. And he said, hmm, good point. Yeah, but <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. What, what did your insurance company say? <laughs> Nasal explosion isn't usually covered under the insurance policy. <laughs> oh, right. But they don't care. You just hit the guy in front of you. That's all they care about. <laughs> That's it. That's well, it. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't see the deer uh, because I, I had a nasal explosion. Oh, well, that's fine. We'll, I know. we'll pay for that. Because <laughs> my eye because my eyes were closed. Why were your eyes closed? Because I sneezed <laughs> like awesome. it was a big, it was a big one. Anyway, how funny is that? Like Steve actually did it. Nice one, Steve. Oh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a better he's a better man than I or a, a tougher <laughs> man. than I. No chance. No I thought chance. That was so funny. Oh, I love it when we hear stories of so, uh, of, of our listeners, because it's so funny. That's how you tell a story. Today on Eat This with Leanne, let's have a look at what would be the best diet for you or me, and an introduction to three specific ones called paleo, pegan, and lectin-free. Is it really worth making a change? Dealing with those feelings that typically start of that deprivation, and how we often we like we like to start something new but when you get into it you kind of second guess yourself so what is it that's going to keep you going I maybe feel a series coming out of this particular episode because there are so many diets out there. But after a loyal listener asked about the lectin-free diet, that sparked me to do some deep diving into not only that diet, but then a few of them. 
There are people who don't like to be told what to do and those who prefer to be guided, maybe nicely coached or others, they just want to be told and like ordered what to eat <laughs> somehow. It takes the pressure off when you're told what to do, especially when you're at a place of, oh, I'm dealing with this and I just don't know what's next. I aim to guide my clients to a place where they know what works for them and then inevitably they learn what doesn't without the hard right from wherever they happen to be because, like I said, that mass deprivation and the depression even, because you just all of a sudden can't go and eat your favorite foods. Like Chris, if I said no more ice cream from the freezer, you probably wouldn't be so happy. You and I wouldn't be friends. Quite. No. Right? No, this podcast would be over and (laughs) I would delete you from my phone. And I'd probably, I would defriend you on Facebook. There's lots of things that would happen. It would start a tidal wave of negativity. It would. It would. And we wouldn't have the giggle, the giggle that we do. So we're not going to go. We're not even going to go there. But there are some times when you feel when you're in a place where you just want something to change. You've had it. You don't want to feel the way that you do. You don't want to sleep. You don't want to you know, you actually want to have sleeves now that you don't want to sleep, but you want to sleep better. You want to feel better. And that can really be really instigate change for people. So I'm going to say that there is a place for these specific diets, but it really depends on where you're at, what you're suffering with, because of course there is a huge impact that you can have on how you feel, how you sleep, the trajectory of your health, and really the whole of your life just by changing your diet. But knowing which one is key. So today I'm going to outline three different diets, the paleo, the pegan diet, and the lectin-free. Each could really be an episode unto itself, but I just wanted to start with what each of them is all about, what it's each one best for, what you can eat, what you can't eat, and maybe a little bit about what the day in, in the life of following that diet would look like. I'll add in like my 10 cents worth, obviously, and Chris <laughs> will chime in, no doubt, with his like, what? Are you kidding me? What's that all about? Or what's that mean? Well, Which only, I adore. Yeah, there's only one there that I recognize, and that's paleo. So I have, I know nothing of the other two. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get Chris's 10 cents worth as well. So uh, you, of course, you can go and Google any of these, but I'm going to also share what I've experienced, not only myself, but perhaps with my clients too. So let's start off with paleo. So Lauren Cordain released the book, The Paleo Diet in 2002. And that was the, I'm going to call it a rebirth of this diet because it's based on the Paleolithic era from between two and a half million years ago to about 10,000 years ago. So that's why I say it could be a rebirth. It's not really necessarily a whole new diet. Also called the Stone Age diet, the hunter-gatherer diet, and even the caveman diet. What can it help? Now, Lauren says that improved health in almost every regard from this specific diet can improve energy levels throughout the day. It can improve, 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 that's a good one, improve your blood lipids, which are all the fats, right? Your cholesterol, your triglycerides. And he says that it can happen in about a week. Improve sleep, particularly when salt and alcohol are reduced. Now the salt, I didn't, I don't think I realized how important the salt is in this particular diet. 
over the long haul, weight loss can can happen. So your weight can be normalized. There have been studies that showed acne proves your acne, blood pressure lowers, and also can reduce the risk of metabolic syndrome. Now, metabolic syndrome, just for those that don't know, they're all the kind of conditions that happen together. So heart, heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, because they're all based on things like blood pressure, uh, excess body fat, especially around the waist and then also your abnormal cholesterol and triglyceride levels. So that's sort of the culmination of everything you don't really want to have going on in your life. So generally, many illnesses and disease symptoms can be improved or completely annihilated. In a nutshell, paleo, eating paleo means consuming whole foods from plants and animals and avoiding processed foods. Basically, anything that comes out of a wrapper is more of your processed foods. So the lovely long list of foods that you can eat are vegetables and fruits. Don't seem to be anything that's off the list there. Nuts and seeds, any natural herbs and spices. So that's what's going to make your food taste any good. Freshly meat, uh, that can be chicken, but preferably grass-fed. Eggs, they're right up there on your list, and thank goodness that they are. Fresh fish, seafood, preferably wild caught. You'll always see that on the front of a label. For instance, the other day I went and bought some shrimps and I thought, oh, this one says wild caught on it and this one says nothing. So I actually bought the ones that said wild wait, caught wait, 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 because, wait. It, because it was on there. It said shrimp on the front, so but it didn't say anything about being wild caught, which means that they're swimming around wild and then they were scooped up as opposed to like farmed. So the oh, difference okay. between say, swimming minute. wild. The, the shrimp didn't just walk up on shore and go, we give up. <laughs> Time to go in that freezer bag. <laughs> do you want to leave? Do you want to leave my tail on or not? <laughs> just, just the depressed shrimp. I'm giving, I'm giving it up. I can't, I can't deal with life it. anymore. <laughs> So also on the paleo diet, you've got to have lots of healthy fats. So some flax seeds, you can do all the avocados you want, the olive oil, and of course, coconut oil. You can have unsweetened. So this is a no sugar kind of situation. You can have your tea and coffee and of course, water. Now, what you are going to avoid with this are all those legumes that look like beans, peas, peanuts, no, sorry, peeps, no peanut butter and soy. So apparently way back when they were not sitting there mashing up peanuts and putting it on their, on their bread with their, uh, with their nice berries and jam. So dairy, that's definitely off the list here. Any cereals or grains. So that's like rice, your wheat, your quinoa, and any cereals that you tend to have. Sugars, not surprising, is off the list. Actually, refined sugars. Let me be specific about that. So some honey and maple syrup can be on this diet. Any vegetable oil. Now, we've talked about this in the past where you're looking at an oil that says a vegetable oil and it's not specific. It's not an olive oil. It's not a coconut oil. It's not a specific oil because it tends to be a, just a mix of ones that are really not good for you. Anything with an artificial sweetener in it, which is mostly going to be those processed foods and alcohol <laughs> is on this one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al yeah, yeah, okay, I know. So, name me a diet where alcohol is the, you know, is the go-to. All right. I want to know nope. what that diet is. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. So I'd like to know, too. On, on every list, unfortunately. It, it, pretty, it pretty much is. And as we go through this, it'll be you'll be interested to see where the slight variations and differences are and what turns up every single time and what does not turn up every single time. Yeah. And for every <laughs> and for every diet that you go on and fail, more alcohol is consumed. That's the reason why Quite. we invented alcohol. <laughs> that's why. And as we're in another lockdown again, that's why it's still an essential service exactly. to go to. So, yes, there's always that lineup outside of the liquor store. And, yep, we understand why. I know what it'll feel like when I stop, so I'm just going to stay a little drunk. So breakfast, for instance, really for this and pretty much any of the diets I'm going to talk about, could look like scrambled eggs. You can cook that in some olive oil. You can take a huge handful of any greens, like some ripped up spinach, or throw in some parsley, some cilantro, or any herbs. On the side, you can have some fresh fruit uh, and maybe some herb tea, if you you want or just a straight up black coffee. Lunch could look like romaine lettuce, any of the vegetables that you fancy having obviously as well with some chicken. You can just whip up a homemade dressing of, of lemon juice and olive oil. If you're buying anything from a store in the dressing department, you got to really read the label. Baked sweet potato is at that. I love sprinkling uh, cinnamon uh, on top of that, but obviously no salt is going into this particular diet as well. And then maybe end off with something like raspberries. Dinner, well, that could be a lovely grass-fed steak, whole bunch of vegetables that you've sauteed or you've thrown on the barbecue with your steak, if you can do that. Uh, but saute them maybe in some avocado oil, put some fresh greens on the side, maybe even some sprouts topped with some sunflower or pumpkin seeds, and maybe just an oil and vinegar dressing. Any snacks like fruits and nuts, walnuts, you can't unfortunately have things like hummus because that's going to be a bean or, you know, depending on which one you, you get. Sometimes I make hummus from uh, white kidney beans or cannellini beans. So that would be off the list. And because a dip like tzatziki, for instance, comes from dairy, then you got to leave that one out too. But uh, guacamole, go for it. Coconut alternatives to dairy, well, they're super helpful in baking, especially in something like a frittata. I've used coconut milk from a can so many times for things like that. And it's uh, super fast to make anything with eggs and just throw a little bit of coconut oil in there. You can pile it high with veggies and put some fish, throw it in the oven, and it's really, really fast. Paleo is actually my general recommendation for women in the perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, just that whole time in our life. And I've even followed it myself after I put on a bunch of weight because I listened to a trainer at a gym that I was, was going to. And because of the different phases that I was working on, he told me to eat my weight in grams of protein, oh. which is a lot of protein. So I think it was probably about 130 pounds at the time. I definitely put on weight on top of that. That was not the goal of going to the gym. The goal of going to the gym was to build muscle mass. And they had this fancy scale thing that I got to stand on all the time. And they would say, okay, you've not put on any muscle and you've not lost any fat and your weight is still the same. I'm like, what is this? all about then how is it that my body's not changing or is your machine broken but I had to eat so much dairy to get the amount of protein in that my body completely blew up I just felt awful and I remember being in I think it was either Phoenix or Santa Barbara speaking at 
uh, at a conference and then took out a dress, put it on and went, whoa, that does not fit anymore. <laughs> and it's not like it was, it wasn't skimpy or anything. It was just like, I was busting out of it from every oh, bit man. that I could. And it just felt awful. <laughs> so <laughs> after that, Oh, my colleagues, my colleagues were like, what have you been doing? <laughs> I could just picture Leanne on the phone to the front desk of the hotel going, listen, can you send up a salad and some Vaseline? Because <laughs> there's know. no way I'm getting in this dress. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Wow. So needless to say, after that, I did not follow, keep following all of that. I mean, I do like to use myself as an experiment. So I will decide to do these things, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. But I was also at a point where I thought, okay, let's just try it and see what happens. I don't think I realized, maybe just like as everyone is realizing during COVID that you, because you're wearing stretchy pants all the time, until you go and put on jeans or something and realize, oh, mm, <laughs> there's a, you know, there, there's the quarantine 15 right there and that top button. So yeah. you don't realize necessarily until you maybe go and do something that you haven't done before. So it wasn't fun. Needless to say, I'd started on the paleo, which took the dairy right out, which I think was probably the biggest problem. Cause of course I wasn't having a two at that time either. There are actually a lot of studies out there that do back this up, especially for the hormonal shifts of menopause. And for a lot of women that have, have weight that just gets super stuck and you just think it could be, it could honestly just be five pounds. It could be 25 pounds. It doesn't matter, but it's so difficult to shift that. And for whatever reason, I've absolutely found in a lot of my clients that the paleo or the paleo like diet along with maybe some intermittent fasting is super, super helpful, especially to shift that abdominal fat, which is probably more dangerous and can also improve your triglyceride levels. Uh, yes, that'd be fine. Thank you. <laughs> We're in the middle of Hello. a podcast here. Hello, gorgeous. We're in the middle of a podcast. Like and you've some, been asked about you like chicken, chicken fingers. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yes, but I want I want them to be sugar-free and fat-free and taste-free. Uh, and No salt. We're talking paleo, no salt. Uh, she's, a, she's a sweet girl, really, uh, for thinking of me, but I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> I think she just wanted to be a part of the action. <laughs> Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutRight.com or LeannePhillipson.com. All right, next up is Pegan. Now, this one is has been created by Dr. Mark Hyman. Now, he is a very well-respected funct functional medicine doctor, and he posted this diet on his blog in about 2014. And it combines the principles of a paleo and a vegan diet. So this like mashup that he's created came from noticing that there were elite athletes like LeBron James. He's out there, he's following the paleo diet and he's rocking it. And then there's the vegan Rich Roll who's completed five Ironman competitions and also completely rocking it. So how are these two super athletes able to perform at such a level 
when they're on such different diets. Like it just, it's quite a fascinating thing to notice actually, because there are a lot of athletes out there who are vegan. So he actually decided to combine the two forming the paleo vegan or pegan diet. Now I remember years ago talking about this on radio with host Jerry Agar, who is not into his plants, let's just say. I thought, what on earth is left when you're a vegan and paleo? Because paleo is maybe a bit more on the high protein side. So I thought, what else is gonna be left on your plate? So looking into it, the diet focuses on low sugar and no refined grains, but super, super high in plants, like 75% of your plates. And on the vegan side, it's that the animal protein is sort of less, like it's like 25%, much less than uh, paleo, because paleo would be a, a bit more on the meat side and a little bit more on the vegan side. And Dr. Hyman also says of that animal protein, he insists on grass-fed, it's got to be pasture raised, it's got to be sourced, you know, as as best as you possibly can of any beef, pork, poultry and eggs that you're having. And any fish that you might have like sardines or salmon, well they fall under the low mercury uh, situation. So that's really good. And he says absolutely no chemical additives, preservatives, dyes, MSGs and artificial sweeteners. So this is what you can eat, your fruits and veggies. And he suggests that you focus on obviously those super deep colors, right? So those superfoods that I talk about, the blueberries, the cherries, um, you know, and lots of variety he talks about too. All those fish, so the low mercury ones that I already mentioned, your meat and poultry, they've got to be grass-fed, the healthy fats, your nuts, your seeds, your olive oil, your avocados, and eggs. But you got to eat the whole thing, none of this white-only business, because a lot of the good stuff is in the yolk. If you're actually following a vegan version of this diet or you really don't have anything going on, I don't actually know what a vegan version of this would be. Just vegan, wouldn't it? It would just be a vegan diet. Yeah. Suggesting that people are making sure they're getting uh, B12. So on SproutRight.com, I've got the methyl B12 spray, which is tremendous. I have to take that every single day myself. Um, and then also he specifically calls out uh, D3. So my Sunshine D3K2 from my Take This by Leanne line is perfect for that kind of thing. Now, what you need to limit or completely avoid on this diet is dairy. He thinks that this totally leads to obesity and other chronic diseases. Gluten? Nope. That's right off the list entirely. Some gluten-free grains uh, are okay, but only in limited amounts. The goal really, he says, is to eat them as a low glycemic index whole grains, which means that it's like brown rice and small amounts. It would be quinoa. It wouldn't be white rice, for instance, those kind of things. Now on this one, you can have some beans, again, in limited amounts. So he believes that they increase your blood sugar levels. And then of course, the lectins that are in there, more on that to come. Um, they cause inflammation and decreased nutrient absorption. Now that really is a big concern because why do we eat in the first place? First of all, it tastes good. And there's a lot to, to as we talked about last week, what happens in your mouth and the mouthfeel, but really we're eating it for the absorption of the nutrients that you've got going on there. Now, also on this list for him, vegetable oils, nope, nope, nope. I don't think vegetable oils are on anyone's list. Maybe on your shopping list, but no one else's. Now, I don't know anyone that's followed this particular diet, but I do follow 
Dr. Mark Hyman's work and know that he's quite focused on blood sugar balance, diabetes, really just as a functional medicine doctor, he's really out there, uh, you know, really ahead of the game because there's such a focus on the grass fed, on the pasture raised, on everything being all, all of those kind of things. It honestly is not lost on me that that's not fairly mainstream. Now, these guys are also American. So what you find in an American store versus what you find here locally in Canada, Canada, there's also that difference too. So please don't think that, oh my gosh, Leanne's trying to tell me to go and buy the most expensive foods. No, there's always a variation to all of this. Everything that I'm always saying, there's a variation. You just do the best that you possibly can. Now, I don't see myself completely recommending this diet fully because I feel like it's, I don't know, it's really restrictive long-term. And maybe I'm just at a point in my life where I also know that there's such enjoyment that comes from food. And, you know, I just turned 50. So I'm not quite in that realm of I want to live to 100 just yet. So I would do a hard right to restrict my diet that much. But it really depends because... If someone is really suffering and they're not able to live, you know, I do realize that I get out of bed and I don't have aches and pains. I have a problem with my neck that I'm working on with um, with some different types of therapies. But for the most part, I can get up and go. There are a lot of people out there that just can't do that. So is there more of, of a diet like this that could be appropriate for you? Definitely. That's maybe just not so appropriate for me. But I also just know that the people that I that I work with, especially, they're coming from a place where they've got a pretty varied diet. And, you know, I'm not really working with anyone who's obese, but that could be something as well. Then, you know, you just you got to finesse it. You got to find the middle ground where maybe you are just having more plants on your plate from this particular diet. And I think that you would find that that would help immensely. There's a, there's a trade-off, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, yep. and that's my biggest issues with diets is that is the enjoyment factor and how I believe yep. that when you start to follow some of these very restrictive diets, maybe the Pegan is one of them, uh, yep. you, you lose that enjoyment in, in hmm. your consumption and food is supposed to be such a wonderful part of life. In my opinion. Yep. Yes. But I understand. And I, that's kind of where you were going is the trade-off. If there is such misery on the physical side of life. So suddenly food is not enjoyable. And so you trade in some of that enjoyment of eating the food for the enjoyment of feeling better. And also knowing that when you make a change to your diet, it can have pretty quick positive benefits. You can feel quite good pretty quick. And we're creatures of habit. So even when you go and start a diet and you do something for a month, let's say, you know, you can see to the end of 30 days where your favorite like ice cream or just something that you end up maybe wanting at the end of that 30 days, you know, it's a bit of a carrot. You're like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And then I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have this. Your taste buds will change how it actually tastes and therefore makes you feel can also change. So I always have people whenever they change something is please bring that food back in again because I want to know how you feel when it goes back in. It's a really important step to making any changes. And people then for themselves realize, 
I actually, it wasn't that great. I didn't feel that good. It, it wasn't as, as tasty as I remember. All of those things can happen. So it's just an interesting step to step process to go through really. All right, so lastly, the lectin-free diet by world-renowned Dr. Stephen Gundry. Now, he is a, a cardiovascular uh, surgeon. He is a brilliant, brilliant man. And, and I do suggest that anybody that wants to know more about this, just go and search him out and listen to the, some of the, honestly, millions of either podcasts or YouTube videos that he has. And he really, really is, a, is great at explaining all of this. We could totally do a whole episode on this. Um, and I do think that it warrants that more than what we have time for today. But what Dr. Gundry put in his book, The Plant Paradox in 2017, was really just sort of hit the airwaves for a lot of practitioners, a lot of people, because he believes that, that all disease begins in the gut. Right. And I've talked about that a million times before. So I'm definitely on board with him there. Does it all begin in the gut? I think it could do. Um, and he has a really interesting philosophy on the chain, on the difference in the microbiome between us and apes and what makes apes them. And because there's 98% of us that's the same and the 2% that's different, he puts down to the microbiome. So really interesting to listen to if that's your jam, you know, that it's probably mine, especially because it's talking about the gut. Now he highlights these lectins because all plants have their own defense mechanism to protect themselves from the bugs, from animals coming along who fancy a little nibble. And of course, yes, us humans. These plants, they're trying to survive. And these lectins, they're naturally occurring, they're proteins that us humans, we can't actually digest. These lectins, these, these proteins in the plant actually grab onto the outside of your cells interrupting absorption of vitamins and minerals, leading to leaky gut, food sensitivities, and basically just leave you feeling lousy with brain fog, acne, all the way through to cardiovascular disease, and maybe even just being overweight and not feeling like you want to do anything because you don't feel great. Now, many healthy foods contain lectins. So it can be a bit of a shocker when you go through the list of the things that he says that you're supposed to take out at least for a period of time. Actually, if you follow the whole thing, you would probably never eat these again. Can you believe the chia seeds? The lovely little <laughs> nutrient-packed chia seeds? Well, those are completely wiped off the list oh, in man. this particular diet. Oh, you pleased about that one? So far. <laughs> So far, it's good. All right, tomatoes. Oh, I, yeah. See, if I, my 12-year-old me would hate that, but I tell you, the, uh, this me yep. loves tomatoes and tomato yep. products. Cucumbers? Yeah, not a big cucumber guy, no. I'm not, I find they repeat on me. I've never been into cucumbers. <laughs> They're okay sometimes, but yeah, I don't know, me and my dad, we're, we're all the same with a cucumber thing. Colorful peppers. Well, all of those are off the list, and really the whole family of what's called nightshade families, which are eggplant, peppers, potatoes, and tomatoes. Those are totally off the list, but let's just jump in, jump into, I know, right? Oh. Jump, let's jump into what you can eat. I don't know. You, okay? just, you just said I couldn't eat potatoes, so I'm ready to hang up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's out of it. That's it. It's done. Closed off. We're done the podcast. Yeah. Potatoes to me are like the one food that yep. I don't, I don't know if I could let go. That's interesting. Forget ice cream. Forget all those sweets. It's it's potatoes because you can do so yeah. many wonderful things with potatoes. You know? Exactly. I know. <sighs> I feel your pain. 
Okay. I feel your pain. All right. So okay. what, what can we so eat? So foods can you eat? I always try and start with the ones that you can eat. If you so say, again. If you say ice cream, you got me back. <laughs> A2 oh. beta casein milk. Okay. Ice cream. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm back. Here we go. Okay. What else? All right. And also you could do the coconut as well. I think that would be, or even avocado. You can make that or Anyway, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to go down that road and trying to make ice cream out of all the, everything that's on my list here because that would just be gross. Okay, so again, those pasture-raised meats, grass-fed and also grass-finished. He's quite particular about this. And again, these are the guys that are at the top of their game and they're saying, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. So again, you do the best that you can. That A2 milk, we talked about this on a previous podcast with our lovely farmer friend, uh, John, and his, how many kids was that again? Nine. Nine kids. So he definitely needs his dairy for his whole brood. Cooked sweet potatoes. Tremendous. I love just baking sweet potatoes. I sweet potato fries and sweep, do anything you want with those sweet potatoes. Your leafy green vegetables, hardly surprising. Cruciferous vegetables, which include broccoli, cabbage, those Brussels sprouts, whether you like them or not. Asparagus, garlic, onion, celery, mushrooms, avocado, and all the extra virgin olive oil that you fancy. Now the foods not to have, squash, legumes. So a lot like the paleo diet. So your beans, your peas, your lentils, and your peanuts, your nightshade vegetables. Those are the eggplants, peppers, potatoes, and tomatoes. Because in, in the, uh, not only in the eggplant, well, the tomatoes and the cucumbers, actually, it's the seeds, it's the skin and the seeds that have the, that have the lectins in them. Fruit, most of the in-season fruit he says is okay, but I'm just going to slightly table that because I'm not sure that they have lectins in them. Those are That's more about the sugar to do, the fructose that are in them. And then, of course, all the grains. They're definitely off the list. Corn, any meat that comes from corn-fed animals and any of the A1 milks or milk products, which are the typical ones that don't have a big fat A2 on the front. Now, I found this one really quite interesting because when you get into the nuts that are more seeds like cashews, they're off the list. But what you can eat are Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts, and walnuts. So you just have to stick to those that are actual nuts. Now, you can pressure cook a lot of the foods to get rid of lectins as well as remove the seeds and the skin, like I said, from tomatoes, cucumbers, and peppers. Pain in the butt to get rid of a skin off of a pepper. But if you blacken it, then you can do that. But it, again... It all depends on how you're feeling. Avoiding these lectin-free foods can turn things around for people really quite quickly, not to mention the weight loss that goes on, because when you have these foods, your body creates inflammation. And when you have inflammation, then you're going to hold more water. All sorts of things can happen. And that's typically what happens when you change your diet. And all of a sudden in the first week, you're all excited because you lost five pounds and everyone says, oh, it's just water weight. It's water weight. You've potentially lost a lot of inflammation there as well, which is why maybe you start to feel good. But it's also, I think, probably just a built-in thing of like, if you change something, you get, you get more motivation to just keep on going. He does suggest to eliminate the fruits because of the sugar, but he does recommend avocados. You can eat avocados till the cows come home. But his recommendation for one fruit is green bananas and plantains. Mm. I don't know. I don't know about you, but green bananas or any sort of slight green banana, they just make my teeth go funny, right? Oh, like when yeah. you bite into them, they, they taste, just they, yeah. they stick in your mouth and all of that kind of stuff. Like it's an interesting concept, but yeah, that, that kind of loses me right there. I know a few people that have 
issues with nuts. And when we have really got down to it by taking out the peanuts and the cashews, for instance, and actually the seeds, because they're very high in lectin, then their belly pain has actually gone away. There was a time when I took all nuts out of my diet because I would go everywhere with a bag of nuts because that's what I suggest. It doesn't matter where you are, just get out your little bag of nuts and your raisins and all that kind of stuff. But then I realized when I was again at a conference, the different conference to this tight dress, then, uh, then my belly was just not feeling great. And it was absolutely from those nuts. Now, someone that I've been talking to lately, she's got some ongoing pain in her abdomen from what I call a never well since situation. So what that is basically in her, in her case, she had her gallbladder removed and has not been right since. So whenever I do a consultation, I'm looking for when did something start? You've got that belly pain. What happened when? Were you sick? Was there an operation? Because so many things can happen in that situation. And I suggested looking if that she look into this particular diet just to see if it would help. Within two days, she's already feeling better and really because she's having more awareness of what she's eating. And she really started to feel better because she feels empowered as opposed to, oh, my belly hurts again today. What did I do? What was this? So sometimes we actually just need a direction to go in. And that that empowerment that you feel that, wow, I can actually make a change. It's like, you know, I'm not a victim to this situation because I have my gallbladder out once and I'm just going to live with this pain for the rest of my life. No, take the cashews out, take the peanuts out. And in her case, that's just the first thing that she's done because that was really easy to do. And we'll see what unfolds after this. Yeah, that's actually smart. Lectins are not naturally the most potent in their raw state. Therefore, cooking them at high temperatures, like I said, a real like the it's at the Instapot, the pressure, there's the new age pressure cooker, those kind of things can really, really help to reduce their content. Okay, so a quick refresh. The paleo diet, that's going to exclude most of your farmed foods like dairy, like your grains and your beans. The vegan diet, that's about 75% plants on your plate and the rest of it coming from your animal protein, preferably grass-fed and pasture-raised. And your lectin-free, well, that's much more specific in avoiding those foods that contain lectins and then enjoying all the rest of them. Notice any similarities with all of these diets? Uh, dairy. Dairy's out, except for the A2 milk. Um, yep. And uh, the, is it the grains? Yep. Right? So the, glu the glutens and the grains? Uh, yeah. Which is kind of normal. You hear that with a lot of diets. Yep. Uh, nothing processed. Nothing processed. Right? So nothing from a, from a, nothing really from a package. Yeah, packaged, right? Yeah. Uh, there was no sugar. No, and, right. and some and some not even fruit sugar. You have to have a reason. What is your why of wanting to change whatever happens to be going on? Overall, I don't generally suggest a particular diet to anyone. Really, it's probably going to be a version of somewhere in here of all three in some different respects. So the vegan diet or a version like it is what I'm likely direct to direct most people towards, but not necessarily quite as restrictive. Ditching all the grains and even all dairy can be a really tough one. It's the ever difficult seesaw of feeling like you're living 
by what you're eating when you eat what you love. And then also on the other side, not suffering with the pain or the worry of, oh my gosh, I know that there's heart disease in the family or there's diabetes in the family. And do I need to be worrying about this? And what should I do about my diet? So there's just that trade-off that happens all the time. If you need a structure, then maybe one of these diets are for you, but don't go it completely alone. Reach out for help. Get some help in figuring out if one of these diets is is the right thing for you because it can be a huge, a huge change to life, to your lifestyle, and that maybe is going to affect the rest of the family. So you can reach out to someone like me, of course, or uh, your naturopath, but otherwise just do a little bit of research on your end. Know that the books of all of these diets are out there. I do suggest starting with the one that wrote the diet first and then moving on to anybody else that sort of whittled it down. For most diets, just following something like this for about a month, while it can be painful in the beginning, it's pretty doable to see if it's a it's a if it might be a fit for you. But it's the flip flopping back and forth where you're like, I'll do it half, but then I won't. But then I try it. And because you have like this motivation in the beginning and you're not going to get that back, depending on what that kind of diet is that you're going to do. So if you can go into it, knowing that. know someone else that this might help because they've talked about one of these diets please share send this along and rate the podcast so that others know how to spend their precious time what's best for them to be listening to we have such tremendous feedback and i love love hearing what our listeners say and their funny stories like what steve shared with us earlier so i just send them on in because we do have a really good giggle and just love hearing from you Reach out on social media on Leanne Philipson or SproutRight handles. You can check out all those supplements I mentioned on SproutRight.com. And no matter what you choose to eat, no matter what diet you choose to give a try to, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>